This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. And a special one, the signing period is officially upon us and uh, the majority of Michigan's class Letters are in, faxes are in, the guys are officially signed, and as he does every single week leading the way on the Michigan Basketball Insider, uh, breaking things down, sharing his personal perspective on things, one of the all-time greats here in the state of Michigan, a standout at the University of Michigan before going on to the NBA, and now one of the top broadcasters around, both when you talk about the Pistons uh, with Fox Sports Detroit and with college basketball with ESPN, none other than Tim McCormick. Tim, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? I'm good. And I, I want to send a special thank you to Juwan Howard, the way he is hooking up our podcast by spreading out all the information. <laughs> Three weeks ago was Sean D. Brown's announcement, and then Caleb Houston. And then this week we've got Musa D. Um, Chiabate. And it's it's just so nice. I, I'm really, really excited about this week on the recruiting trail, though. And, and I was thinking, I think it's pretty safe to say that this is the best two-week period in school history uh, with Caleb Houston. And, and you know, the, the, the number one class was pretty much secured when Caleb signed. And now to get Musa, that cements it. Um, I don't recall if maybe Jalen and Chris signed in the same week. I don't think they did. Um, Juwan signed much earlier. So w- would you agree this is the best recruiting two-week window in Michigan basketball history? You know, it's tough for me to say. I remember Jalen committing towards the end of the cycle, and I, I don't know that anything will ever survive. Chris Weber, <laughs> Chris Weber committed to Michigan. might be by himself, Tim. <laughs> by himself. Okay, I, okay, remember, okay. I remember watching, like, a Tigers broadcast, and they broke into – they broke into a Detroit Tigers broadcast to say that Chris Weber was coming to Michigan. So I, I think by himself alone, that might be, you know, the biggest recruiting event, at least in my lifetime. So, but this is this is without question one of the hallmark moments uh, of you know as far as Michigan basketball recruiting. Definitely is the in the tenure of of Juwan Howard announcing. That everything that we said about him, because let's start there, Tim. There was a lot of talk about what Juwan Howard would be as a recruiter, the impact that he would have on the recruiting trail with his background as one of the top high school players in the in the country and a and a top college player in the country, a lottery pick, a hundred million dollar man in the NBA, 20-year NBA career, coach with the Miami Heat. He brings all of this cachet to the table, and people were saying, hey, he it's really going to translate. He's really going to be able to recruit. And he got a really good class his first time around, but all anyone could focus on was the the five stars that he missed, not taking into account that he still was behind the eight ball relationship-wise because he had to he had to build those relationships in a very short period of time to even be in those races. Wound up not working out. But this year with more time to compete with the Dukes and the Kentuckys of the world, he brought it home, Tim, and he brought it home in a big way. And Sam, I'm I'm assuming that the Jawan Howard can't close the deal arguments have subsided a bit. Um, I still think that if if Musa didn't commit, they probably still could have gotten Charles Bediaco or Efton Reed. And and you know, quite frankly, I I spoke to to some friends on the recruiting trail, and everybody said Musa was going to Kentucky. I mean, everybody. <laughs> and this this could have possibly surprised Michigan's coaches. And, and and I think that what this has done is send shockwaves throughout college basketball. I mean, Juwan went head-to-head with Cal. He went head-to-head with Coach K and basically took what he wanted. And, and Sam, I'm a bit surprised because only a few people in college basketball are capable of doing what Juwan just did. Bill Self does it at Kansas. Roy Williams at Carolina. You know, occasionally Izzo or Sean Miller can do it. You know, frankly, I'm really impressed, I'm very excited, a bit surprised, 
and big credit to Juwan. His mindset is he wants to compete for Final Fours and national championships. And the only way you can do that is to chase those five stars. And you take your shot, and he did that. And and I know that fans are going to love Musa Giabate. He, he, he has the potential to be special. Yeah, you miss every shot you don't take. That was... That's a comment that I know I've uttered plenty of times. And so when he said it, talking specifically about recruiting, I say, exactly. That's exactly right. Now, I think that I think that his model, and it's important that we seize upon this, Tim. His model is different than Duke's. Model is different than Kentucky's. He's not in it to recycle his roster every year. He has the three- and four-year guys, right, the guys that are going to be a little longer on the developmental curve. And then you accent them, you know, for for sustainability, you accent them. You punctuate your class with these five stars if if you can. So you look at last year's class with those 30 to 100 guys. You look at this year's class with the 30 to 100 guys like, you know, Frankie Collins and Kobe Bufkin and Isaiah Barnes. I mean, you you see the way it really fits. If you could land on the five stars at the end as the exclamation point, those are the guys that get you over the hump. Then your three- and four-year guys are the ones that perpetuate and teach your culture as the new guys come in on a yearly basis. This is the kind of mix that allows you to, to get there and stay there without being in the rat race, so to speak, having to turn your entire roster over on a yearly basis. And, Sam, I have to apologize because when Michigan signed Will Shutter out of Minnesota – I questioned it. I really did. I, and I said it on the podcast that I think that that's a guy you can get anytime you want. I think you hold off and you go, you go after your, your, your big fish, your five stars early. And, and, and Juwan knew what he was doing. And, and I give him a ton of credit. And you're right. If, if Frankie Collins or Kobe Bufkin or Isaiah Barnes really, really develop and blossom and they become NBA players, that's okay. because through transfers, which is going to get even bigger throughout college basketball, and through his ability to bring in elite recruits, he's going to have no problem getting exactly what he wants from a talent perspective in this Michigan lineup, and fans should be elated. Yeah, and, you know, the thing, I remember us having that discussion and talking about Will Cheddar, and you you really see how it fits, and this is going to be a, a great discussion uh, about the, kind of the overall class where you have size, you have athleticism, uh, you have guys that can slash to the bucket. You have shooters like Caleb Houston and Will Cheddar. Uh, but I remember when we talked about Will Cheddar, I said, you know, at the time, Tim, this is going to be a big class. It's going to be six guys. You can take a Will Cheddar now, and it's still, it, you know, it does not affect your flexibility the rest of the way with the uh, with the other guys that you're pursuing. He's not going to block any of the five stars that you're looking for as long as you have scholarships to give them. You're good. One of the things that I saw unfold here down the stretch, Michigan had been trying to say to guys, or they had been saying, but trying to get them to see that, hey, these scholarships won't won't be around. It's first come, first serve. They're in on all these guys, and they're, they aren't really moved by the idea that the scholarship might go away. And I started to notice as, as we talked more about Caleb Houston, they were in on some other wings, and I could kind of sense from talking to people on the trail that he was paying very close attention to how the other recruits were reacting to Michigan, and he kind of, hey, what does this mean? What does that mean? And Michigan kind of sent the message, hey, you can end all this with all these other recruits if you just commit. And then so he comes into the fold. And then, Tim, now you got one scholarship left, and it's Charles Bediaco, it's Chet Holmgren, it's Efton Reed, it's Musa Giabate. So you just landed a five-star that gets attention, and you got one scholarship left with a bunch of five-stars vying for it. I really think that it started to mean more when they said, hey, whoever takes it first, that's who's going to get it. I think that was one of the things that, that you know, brought this thing to a, a surprising end, at least surprising to the rest of us. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I know from personal experience because when, when I was a senior, I remember uh, Roy Williams in North Carolina, and that was, that was my choice, Michigan or North Carolina. And he came to me and said, look, it's either you or Sam Perkins. The first one that takes it, it's yours. And and that really heated up my decision. And ultimately I decided, okay, I'm, you know, I'm I'm going to Michigan and Sam picked North Carolina. Thank God 
that, that <laughs> he did for them because he led them to a national championship with Michael Jordan. Um, but but that pressure from a recruiting standpoint, especially if if it's a school that's that's number one on your list, it encourages you to make a little bit quicker decision. So let's get into talking about Musa. We've talked about all the other guys, and we will give an overview of how we think they all fit together. But let's talk about Musa Giabate specifically, a guy that's ranked, according to 24-7 Sports, the number 20 prospect in the country, standing 6'10", 215 pounds, the number five power forward in the country, according to 24-7 Sports, and a very decorated list. But as I laid out, I was hearing, uh, you know, it was at least as of the last week or so, week plus or so, it's Michigan and Kentucky with most people thinking it's probably going to be Kentucky, right? And then, boom, he drops the the bomb earlier this week that he's coming to the University of Michigan. So, Tim, I know you've seen him. Uh, you've watched him up close and personally. What do you think of Musa Giabate's game? So let me tell you about Musa. Um, first of all, he was at the top 100 camp. And, and I did watch him play. Um, I did a little research. I, I, I was curious about, you know, what our breakdown of him said in the top 100 camp player evaluation. And, and I found on his team, this is his camp team, Isaiah Jackson, Kentucky. All right. Jalen LeCue, Phoenix Suns, Jade McDaniel, Daniel's first round draft pick. And kind of interesting, the center on his camp team was a guy named Hunter Dickinson. So, <laughs> so that relationship goes way back to 2018. Right. Uh, so when I saw him play, um, I, I believe he's added great size and strength. When I watch his current videos, um, two years ago, he was 6'10", 190 pounds. He's a lot bigger and stronger than that now. And, and with his added size and strength, he's going to be an impact guy from day one, especially on defense as a rim protector. Runs really well, great length. Now, I, I'm not sold on his ability to cover guards in pick and roll situations on a consistent basis, but it will be interesting to see how he gets used. Um, on offense, I'm not quite sure because in camp settings, it's really hard for me to read big guys. Um, their their skill set gets ignored in guard-dominant situations. My initial thought from watching him is that he's like a Clint Capella of the Atlanta Hawks. Um, a star in transition can be really effective in the pick and roll game. But the, the thing that I think he could be most effective, and this is so underrated, is when you get a big guy that runs rim to rim and, and makes the, the defense react, he gets the occasional duck-ins, he gets great offensive rebound position and opportunities before the defense sets up. I can I can really see him being a a, a star in a fast paced game. Um, he's got better ball skills than you would think. He didn't show this much in the games, but but he um he, he's probably got you know ten or twelve foot range on his jump shot. Maybe a little bit like a Bam Adebayo. Mm -hmm. um, I mm -hmm. I know in his videos he he made some threes, but I I didn't really have a lot of confidence in his his ability to knock down deep shots like that. The, the other thing that that is kind of kind of interesting to me is that when you watch a kid like that play, you have to take into account what Juwan Howard can do with him. Um, you know, Juwan is a big man coach. And I mentioned Bam Adebayo. Well, well, Bam was was a rookie with Juwan and Juwan jump started his career. So so that is huge. Uh, I, I, I think he's got really good work ethic really good intensity and and it's going to be fun because if you've got a hard-working kid and a really good big man coach look out yeah it is uh it's interesting that you said bam out of bio because i you know i asked a, a scout uh, that i talked to to kind of look at him and that was he said this is Jawan's bam out of bio uh he has definitely packed on musa giabate is definitely packed on some muscle uh has added to his explosiveness the thing that a lot of the the guys 24-7 were impressed with because they played in the showcase out west a few weeks ago. Frank, Frankie Collins was in it. It was on ESPN, as a matter of fact. And you know, you could you could see he has gotten more comfortable with the ball away from the rim. Now, to, what does that mean, you know, when it comes to shooting threes and, and get, I mean, look, he, he has shown the ability to to um to 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 hit some, I don't know if that's going to be a strength of his game, 
moving forward, but he's at least uh, shown some some range there. But really, I think what was more impressive than that, the thing that stood out more, was his ability to put it on the deck for a few bounces and uh, and get to the rim and finish. Uh, you know, if he can if he can face guys up, you know, maybe some maybe some guys who he might have uh, some athletic advantages over. Uh, that adds a dimension to his game for sure. Uh, and when you when you look at him, and it's interesting, I'm, I'm curious if you can recall what how he paired with Hunter. If they if they were on the floor at the same time, Tim, they seem like complimentary big guys. Like you know, like like they could really play off of one another. Well, he said that's what it feels like. I'm curious if you recall what it looked like on the court. Well, so so I, I have to be honest with a hundred campers from two years ago. I don't <laughs> right, remember right. matchups. But but I do know that Jaden McDaniels played a lot of power forward along with C.J. Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys were the power forwards. Actually, Musa Diabate, Giabate is listed as a small forward on this roster. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that that really I think that the people of our generation will appreciate. I think that Musa is a pretty serious kid. He's from France, so he doesn't have a, a big family here, and he doesn't have a lifetime of friends and hangers on that, that push him up. Um, you know, he, he doesn't seem to be caught up in the recruiting drama and all the social media buzz. Maybe it, it, upon closer inspection should have been a little bit easier for us to think that Michigan had a shot at him because, you know, from, from talking to some of my friends and in context of the business, they say that, that he's a really, really focused kid. He just wants a great environment with family and remember, Juwan's son, Jet, plays at IMG. Right. So they're, they're buddies, and they probably feel like the Howards are a family. And so I think that there's, there were a lot of things working in Michigan's favor that maybe we ignored. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting, too. You, you mentioned his, his potential. I mean, all signs point to for both Musa and for Caleb. This is a question that comes through immediately after the Isaiah Todd experience. You know, is he a likely G League guy? And, you know, while it's you know, all these guys are going to going to hear it, maybe think about it some, uh, that just has not been as prevalent in the discussion, at least as far as my following of their respective recruitments. Uh, and even now, since they've committed to Michigan, that doesn't seem to be mentioned as prominently in their uh, in their you know outlook, so to speak, as it was with Isaiah Todd, not even close. These are two guys, Tim, that are both expected to to show up and and spend at least their freshman years in Ann Arbor. I, I would think so. And let me ask you this, because I don't I don't know this for sure, but what is the G League even going to look like? You're this right. Year? You're right. Exactly. You know the the NBA and the Players Association are are ultra focused on on getting a 72 game nba season that's where the resources and the focus are going i don't know what the the g league is even going to look like what you know what is isaiah todd's experience going to be i don't know (laughs) you've got right yeah if you've got if you've got the opportunity to play in a in a family environment for juan howard and you're a big man you jump on that opportunity yeah yeah i think you're exactly right and I feel for you know I feel for all the G League guys, not just the the young kids who are part of that program, but I mean you're right. All the focus for the NBA is can they get a season? And you know they they agreed upon a start date, and just trying to figure out how to do that outside a bubble now uh, is is the concern, the thought, and the focus. So uh, you're right, and you know, the college focus, the college basketball focus. Uh, you look at it this year; they're essentially going to be uh, in a pseudo bubble. In all of these places, uh, you, you're gonna have you're gonna have the opportunity uh, moving forward. Let's say when these guys get to campus next year, if we aren't through the pandemic, they will already have kind of a a format in place of how to do this and how to do it uh, in a as safe as you possibly can. And oh, by the way, by that time, Tim probably have the name, image, likeness. I know we've talked about this on the podcast, but that probably will be in place. So you probably will have some earning potential. Uh, in there as well. I think all of these factors may, will probably sway a few guys who who might have been leaning the other way, might sway them towards uh, you know towards college. I just you know, even without all that stuff though, I just haven't heard that be 
the likely route for either of these guys. They are both expected to arrive in Ann Arbor, which brings about the, the question, Tim, how does all how do they all fit together? So for those who need a refresher and how this, uh, you know, who, who the members of this recruiting class are, obviously, Musa Giovate is the most recent addition to Michigan's recruiting class, the number 20 player in the country, according to 24-7 Sports. Of course, Caleb Houston uh, came not long before that, a couple of weeks ago, the number eight player in the country, uh, standing 6'8", 205 pounds, uh, noted as a, a sweet shooting wing. And then you get into the guys that have been in the fold for a little longer. Frankie Collins, the point guard from out there, out west in uh, Henderson, Nevada. Kobe Bufkin from right here, Grand Rapids Christian in the state of Michigan, 6'4", 175. Frankie Collins, a 6'1", 180-pound point guard with bounce. Isaiah Barnes, versatile, athletic, uh, can put it on the deck, can shoot it. I really think he's scratching the surface. And you talk about upside. I think he has a ton of it, Tim, at 6'6", 180. And then, of course, Will Cheddar, 6'8", 225, you know, stretch four-ish guy. And so I say that that way because some people, I say 6'8", some people say, I don't know if he's 6'8", Tim. I just know that he can really shoot at Tim and stretch a defense. He has some uh, some mass on him. He can throw his weight around a little bit. So I think he's going to be a nice piece to the puzzle. How do you see all of these guys fitting together? Well, I like I like the the fact that you have a little bit of everything. You've got big guys, you've got shooters, you've got playmakers, um, really good athlete, athletic guys. Um, if I had to pick the guy in this class that I think is most important, you would say, yeah, it's it's Houston, it's Giabate. No, it's Frankie Collins. Mm. I think Frankie Collins it has massive importance because. In college basketball, the point guard is the most important position by far. I always remember Jim Calhoun used to say, my preference is to always have two point guards on the floor at the same time. And and I tend to agree with him because you have to be able to have the ability to break down defenses and make plays for other people. And he's the one guy, especially with Mike Smith graduating, with Eli Brooks being a senior, possibly one of those guys could come back. But but Frankie Collins is going to have to be a really key recruit for Michigan. Um, some of the other guys can duplicate some of their skill sets. I think that Isaiah Barnes and Kobe Buffin, Buffkin could be wing drivers, multi-positional guys. I think that I think that that the two five stars could be gone after a year. You just don't know. But Frankie Collins to me looks like a four-year point guard. And, and he looks like he's got a little edge, something like Xavier Simpson. We know how much we love that. Absolutely. And I, I love the athleticism that he brings to the fold. And I know it, his jump shot has been the part of his game that he's really uh, been honing. Uh, I know talking to his dad about it, he said that is that is really, really progressed a lot farther than, than maybe people know. Uh, not having the opportunity to have seen him at length during the summer. Uh, but, man, when you have that kind of athleticism, uh, what I envision him being on both ends of the floor, uh, his ability to get to the rim and 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 play through contact, I think is going to be absolutely huge. Liked him in that showcase I was playing with all of those, uh, you know, all of those uh, big-time scorers. And you can really see the, the deference. You wonder if a, if, if a point guard, you know, the a guy who maybe is used to being a volume scorer, can he – you know, how is he when it comes to being deferential when he is surrounded by talent? I was impressed by that with him. Uh, and you look at all of the different kinds of talents he's going to have around him. You know, Kobe Bufkin is an interesting guy, a, a wiry combo guard that can he really get hot from, from distance, Tim. Uh, you know, I think that that's a guy that as we watch him develop physically, he's going to – the part that, that, you, that you wonder about with him right now is he's just so slight. Like, you can knock him off his dribble. You know, when he gets to the rim, you you wonder if that that part about finishing through contact, if he really can do that, that's going to change with John Sanderson. And I think the the upside for Kobe Bufkin is really high, too. Well, Kobe Bufkin is coming off a really good weekend. If you follow the social media reports, he played very, very well out West. And, and you know, he, he's he's a four-star, um, but but he he might be a high four star, mm-hmm. and and I think I think that his stock has really risen a great deal. Um, I always think there's a lot of really 
really underappreciated talent in the Grand Rapids area. So so I'm very excited to see him play. Don't worry about the, the thinness. Yeah, it's Don't worry change. about him being skinny. That, that that doesn't last very long right. when John Sanderson is your strength and conditioning coach. Right. I think I think Kobe Bufkin has first round potential. I mean he he's very, very skilled. It's just about the the physical piece, the muscle uh being added to his frame. And that's gonna happen with with John Sanderson, but you, when you talk about upside, a guy who is really intriguing to, and of all these guys, Sands, of course, Will Cheddar, who we'll talk about, but you look at Isaiah Barnes, our guys have him ranked number 114 nationally, and Tim, you know, he's a guy who last year really, really came on. The 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 difference that that our scouts saw in him last year was consistency. Like you would see, you would see, you know, flashes. Like this is a six seven guy with with bounce, but he has touch. He can shoot it, and he is a he is a plus passer. But you would you know you would see it in one game, not the next. You might see it in the first quarter, not after that. And they saw him put together entire games. They saw him put together string of game strings of games, and that was what was really responsible for him moving up in the rankings significantly and so that was uh, I gave you the composite ranking which brings in ESPN and rivals but our internal guys 24/7 sports our team of analysts alone they put him in the top 100 and made him number 82 which was a huge huge bump for him and I just think he's scratching the surface I like playing a game when I when I watch a player you know I'll 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 see you know the way he shoots and I'll I'll think gosh that guy reminds me of Rolando Blackman or you know not in this case but I, I always I always try to visualize who does he remember or who do I remember him playing like the first time that I saw Isaiah Barnes on video I immediately thought Jimmy King mm. um, in terms of Michigan players very very good athlete I believe he has the ability to develop into an excellent defensive player he's going to be a star in transition and and also on good teams he's exactly what you're looking for the high character hard worker great chemistry guy. And, and I am, I, I agree with you. I think he's got really good potential and, and just like Kobe, he's a little bit underrated at this point. Mm-hmm. So you look at all those, all those Frankie, Kobe, Isaiah Barnes. These are guys that you look at and, and probably three or four year guys. Will Cheddar is, is like a four or five year guy and a guy that, that could serve and fill a very meaningful role on this, on this team, Tim, and you got all of this, slashing and uh, and athleticism around the basket, the ability to stretch the floor, to to have guys have to respect the perimeter. Teams, we had to res- make them respect the perimeter. Will Cheddar is a guy that can stretch defenses like that. I am. Um, I, 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 I'm thinking about Austin Davis, um, completely different type of player, but same type of role. Just come in every day with a smile on your face, Love your Michigan gear, love your campus, love the degree that you're getting. Understand that this is a life-changing experience. If you go to the University of Michigan, it's setting you up for the rest of your life. Soak in the lessons from Juwan Howard and and think about how valuable Austin Davis is going to be this year. Mm -hmm. That's a role that I see for Will. Every year get better. And all of a sudden, when you're a, a junior, when you're a senior, when you're in your fifth year, and all those years, the, the coach would tell you what to do and tell you what he expects. You just say, yeah, coach, and do your best. And and I, I think those are the type of winning players that championship teams are built on. Absolutely. Very, very exciting. And look, what you need to know, Michigan has, for, for my lifetime, obviously, uh, going back to your playing days, Tim, always recruited at a very high level. This is kind of a return to normalcy. You think about the 80s. And, folks, go back and look at some of the primetime recruits that played at the University of Michigan. Guys like Tim McCormick in the early 80s, of course. And you played with one of my all-time favorite players from my high school alma mater, Flint Central. Uh, His brother is my lifelong friend. Grew up with him from elementary school all the way through, through high school. And this guy was just a hero. Still is a hero of mine, Tim, and a teammate of yours. I'm talking about Eric Turner. And a great, great opportunity to catch up with E.T., man. Tell me about your memories of E.T. E.T., one of the best guards in Michigan basketball history, flat out. One of the elite playmakers the state of Michigan has ever had. 
I, I've been watching the Michigan High School State basketball playoffs since the mid-70s. Magic Johnson and Eric Turner were the most electrifying guards that I saw play. And, and you really can't measure a player's full impact by the success or length of their NBA career. But at Michigan, Eric Turner was one of the best ever. Yeah, and certainly one of the best to ever do it in the city of Flint. So we're going to catch up with E.T., kind of see what he's up to and reflect upon his playing days. But before we do that, we'll take a break here. When we come back on the other side, we will catch up with one of the all-time greats, both in the state of Michigan at the University of Michigan as well, Eric Turner. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And we're back here on the Michigan Basketball Insider with, as far as I'm concerned, basketball royalty. When you talk about the great players from the state of Michigan and certainly the great players out of the city of Flint, you cannot talk about Flint basketball or Michigan basketball without talking about Eric Turner. E.T. joins us on the podcast. E.T., how you doing? I'm doing well, Sam. How are you? Doing great, man. Doing great. Tim, well, how's it feel to catch up with E.T.? Oh, it, it's the best because Eric Turner is one of the best point guards the state of Michigan has ever produced um, as a teammate. One of my favorites, a strong leader, elite as a playmaker and passer, and definitely one of Flint's finest. E.T., it's so good to catch up. What are you, what are you doing these days? Tim, I appreciate that, man. It's a big compliment coming from you. Um, we're just working hard, staying out the way. Um, we have a little clothing store in Ann Arbor we're working with called the Broadway. And um, got a couple other things on the table outside of that, and we're doing well. We're, we're, we're moving forward. That's great, great. So so we were teammates in the early 80s, and I know we take a lot of pride in our air. Uh, we were Bill Frieder's first two recruiting classes, and I think the foundation was built with our classes for a championship run. When you think back to those years, what are, what are some of your favorite memories about being a standout, an All-American, All-Big Ten, a star at Michigan? You know, those those were great times, you know, back then. We were so excited about having the ability to be close to home and playing for Michigan, which we followed and watched over the years. So, and able to get, you know, we were able to get on that campus and get started playing and um, building the relationships and doing the things that, you know, allow us to get better. Um, it's nothing like it. We're just really excited about having that opportunity. Yeah. So what what was your what was your favorite memory at Michigan? Um, and, and I know that with a long line of, of great players from Flint that, that went to Michigan, what do you um, what, what kind of stands out to you about your favorite memories? Uh, I, I know I, I got an opportunity, you know, my freshman year to play against um, another player that was from Flint, Craig Tucker and at Illinois. And I knew Derek Harper before and. And, you know, of course, Sam and I grew up friends, you know, from junior high on up. And so I think it was just um, those memories bring back the fondest for me because those were guys that you knew, you knew you were going to see them again in the summer and in the off season, and you wanted to do well um, when you met up with those guys. And I don't know, I just think the competition uh, level and just being able to compete, you know, against people that we're familiar with in the state. I think those are some of my fondest memories. All right, so not to mention the NIT championship we won um, uh, down at Madison Square Garden. That was exciting as well. I, I do remember that. Yeah, so easy. Let, let's, <laughs> really? Let's rewind and see, see the, you know, if you can take us back to the high school years because you guys being two of the finest to ever come out of the state, I mean, that seems like to me the golden era of, of talent coming out of Flint especially, 
And I'm curious if if when you go back to that time and you think about those great teams playing for for Stan Gooch and seeing some of Grover Kirkland's great teams, I you know I hear you matched up with Tim back in his Clarkston days. You know how do yeah. you how do you rank those Flint Central teams? And don't don't be shy about saying they were the best. But you know we had Glenn Rice on saying, man, those those teams he were on he was on was you know those were the best. What did, when you look back? Tell me how that those Flint Central teams you were on rank compared to some of the best you've seen out of this state. Well, let me just first uh, start start by saying this: Tim McCormick is the original big fundamental. <laughs> now, I know a lot of people that <laughs> came along with that years ago, but Tim was the most fundamentally sound player I had seen, and I picked up a lot from his game. I went back to to the lab and I put some of his stuff in my game. I took my um, workouts down to the low post and kept a good eye on him with the footwork. We played against him when I was a junior and they were a senior. They knocked us out from going to, I think it was the semis of the state state championship. But um, even though we were competing against each other fiercely, um, I was always impressed with, you know, his, his competitive nature. Uh, Tim was also, like I said, fundamentally sound. You couldn't foul him because he goes to the free throw line and make you pay. And they get you on his back, your history. And so those type of things um, made me want to get back in the gym and work harder. We fell short. But um, I knew then that if Tim was to head to Michigan, I definitely could see us playing together. And so that was one of the reasons I ended up at U of M, along with another number, another uh, number of other things as well. But that's definitely right up there at the top of the list. As far as uh, our team versus other teams coming out of Flint, I believe we were the best team. I believe we would have beat any of the other teams that come through there. And that's with Glenn. And that's when uh, Northern also had some good teams that was, you know, coming through there and uh, won a couple championships after we left Northwestern did. And I just believe um, when you look back, uh, there was no three-point line at the time. We averaged over 100 points. We didn't lose. And so I got to say, we, you know, we were the best. Yeah, Mark Harris. You have Mark, Mark Harris. <laughs> you have Mark Harris as your running mate. Yeah, we had Mark Harris. <laughs> yeah, that was our secret weapon. A lot of people didn't know. Everybody was watching me, but what they didn't know was we had a stacked, loaded team. You know, and Marty Embry. Yes, Marty Embry, Matt Matt Carrington, who ended up walking on at Michigan State, played with Scott Skiles and Sam Benson. He was on our team as well. Started at uh, the, the shooting guard, actually. We had Keith Gray, who was a, a phenomenal high school player, jumps out the gym. And so we were solid. And then our bench was 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 very good as well. So I just felt like uh, if we matched up with any of the teams that, that, that come from out of that area, I believe that our depth and um, the, the, the type of star lineup that we had would have carried us over. You know, E.T., when, when I think of Flint, man, Terry Furlow, Roy Marble, Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Grayer, mm-hmm. Glenn Rice, mm-hmm. Trent Tucker. I mean, it goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Miles Bridges. What is it about Flint basketball that, that makes it so tough and so special? Well, when we were coming along, all of the schools in the city had community school directors. And so they had the ability to open gyms at any time on certain days. So there was always somewhere to be playing at. And if it wasn't, we'd be at Cook Park. We'd be at the Brennan Center. We'd be in outside, you know. And the, the, you knew that all summer, all year long, you were playing against all of the players that had been in the gym on a daily basis. Free play, uh, open gym, um, setting up different little uh, runs that we would have and uh, invite people and close the doors and just top players playing. Mateen Cleaves. Um, you had uh, Mo Pete, uh, not not to mention Anthony Pendleton, and names you could go on and on, and just to pull up at a gym and all of these guys in the gym at the same time is is just it, it just catapulted us, I think, to a competitive level that well, we could compete with anyone else around the state. Tim, I'm shedding some tears. Tim, I'm shedding some yeah. tears. I'm shedding, <laughs> man, the, the Brennan Center. You got to understand was right down the street. My grandmother's house was on Seymour. Right down the street oh, from, man. from the Stuart the Brennan Center, and I was I was an Evergreen Valley guy, so Cook Park was the park for the Valley and yep. for the estate. So it's like, man, mm-hmm. you're taking me back, ET. <laughs> so so I'll, I'll ask this question to both of you. 
that that Flint is as good as any city in America at producing high-level talent. When I saw a poll recently, best players ever from Flint, Glenn Rice, Mateen Cleaves, number two, Kelvin Torbert, three. Number four, I think a little underrated, but was Eric Turner. Um, I want to ask both of you, who's the guy when you think about Flint basketball, when you saw him play, you thought, wow, that that's the guy. Who's the best ever from Flint? <laughs> uh, I'm going to let Sam handle that one, but I can tell you this. <laughs> I can tell you this. Uh, you got, there's a guy, and I know Sam will remember this name, Barry Stevens. Mm-hmm. Played at Northwestern, went to Iowa State. I think he come, went maybe before Jeff or right around the same time they followed one another there. He was really good, no stopping him. Um, you know, you got Jeff, then you, of course, like you said, Mateen, you know, was a, was a, always a winner, um, coming out of Flint. And so you got, you know, a number of people from Flint that, you know, played at a high level. And I just, you know, anytime I mentioned in, in the top names of those guys, I'm flattered. So, so you got to understand, Tim, that, that my, my, I was knee high to a bullfrog when, when ET and them played. I grew up, <laughs> I, grew, I grew up with, with his brother, Jason. I grew up with JT, your elementary school, middle school, high school, the whole nine. So my, my Eric Turner experience is embellished by the fact that I was really, really young going to those games. Like, you know, you, you asked me, could I, could I remember watching the games at four or five years old? No. Uh, could I remember going to the games with family? Yes. But watching the tape. Watching the film of the games and seeing E.T. and Mark Harris, I'm sorry. I'm not putting any Sparties ahead of Eric Turner. It's just not happening. It ain't happening. Now, you know, Glenn Rice, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. You know, I can't, it's going to be hard to put somebody ahead of Glenn. So I'm going yeah. to throw Glenn number one, but E.T. number two on that list, man. I, and, and, and personally, if I, if I put my heartstrings in it, I'd make E.T. number one. But they would claim I'm biased because I'm a Flint Central guy. So I'm going to try to take off the glasses and say Glenn number one and E.T. number two. And then whoever else you want to go after that is all right with me. I can deal with that. I will say this, that that um, I started watching high school basketball in Michigan and going up to the state championships every year at Chrysler when I was young. And the there, there are two playmakers that are the best that I've ever seen in the state of Michigan. The first one was Magic Johnson. The second one was Eric Turner. And I say that without any hesitation at all. I've always felt that way, not just because you're hooking us up by coming on our podcast. Um, E.T., listen, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit. You, you know, I played in the McDonald's game in 1980. You played mm-hmm. in it in 81. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you met John Wooden. But the cool thing is that you played in that game with Michael Jordan and Patrick Ewing. Do, do you have any yep. good memories or stories? About oh, that man. Man, I really do. And not, and, and not to mention Chris Mullen and... Um, Adrian Branch, and um, there's a name you could go on and on with guys who played in that game, Sam Vincent, Enos Wally. Um, and, you know, my memories were, especially in the actual game, you know, some of the best memories happen when you're not at, on the court at the gym. You know, we were, Tim, I know you remember you go to uh, your community work at the McDonald's. Mm-hmm. hospitals and you and you go in to visit the, the kids that were sick and those were some great experiences being able to do that learning early on how important it was to give back but you know the pickup games that we would have when we weren't in a regular practice you know and during the game actually I remember coming back when, when we played the game and I go back home and you know all the fellas saying who was it who's the guy man who you hear about who's who's gonna be it and I had to tell him which at the time nobody really knew who Michael Jordan was but Mike was running faster and jumping higher than everybody in the game and it was like a difference you were doing your best but it was it wasn't enough <laughs> and you knew that this guy was special then like man I don't know this guy named Michael Jordan man I, I, I don't know I don't know who he is, but man, he was giving us the business, you know. And so that's what I look back on, um, you know, being able to top it up with the guys off the court, um, Patrick, and like you say, like Chris Mullins and Jordan, and um, man, it was just good times. And I think those are the memories that I have that I look back on. Um, the actual game, remembering Michael Jordan just being better than everybody else when it came down to it, and uh, and then the times that we spent off the court getting to know each other, um, having to warm up to each other. Everybody got a, you know, an ego. Nobody wants to, you know, 
act like they're not the man. So once we got warmed up and, you know, you, you, you create those friendships that last a long time. Yeah, you. I know you've talked about this before, E.T., but you get to you get to Michigan. And I'm always interested in when you got in the Big Ten and you played against other guys at, at Michigan. And, you know, I, I think I remember you talking about maybe the guy that you hated playing against the most was, was Derek Harper. Is that right? Yeah. Derek was a pain, man. Derek was a pain because he was so focused on defense. And you could never take your eye off of him. You always had to know where he was on the court. And uh, he was just really, really competitive. And um, I knew going into those games, I better get a good night's rest. Yeah, I've got to follow up on that because I don't know if I ever thanked you, but I remember when we were playing at Illinois and that was as loud as any building with Ephraim winners. And I mean, they had, they had a loaded mm-hmm. squad and mm-hmm. um, it was a really close game. And I was, I always prided myself on making good decisions, but I made a horrific mistake at the end of that game. And I thought the score was, was tied and we were actually up one. And, and so they went to the line with a chance to make the winning free throws. And you came down with six seconds to go and hit a bomb to save me. And, and yeah. the story, you remember that? The story was that you hit the, 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 the huge three over Derek and, and nobody wrote about the fact that I made a stupid foul. <laughs> I do remember that. I think that, I think we went into overtime maybe in that yep. game, a couple of overtimes. Yeah. That was a lot of fun, a lot of exciting, but I mean, you know, that's what, you know, being a team is, you know, you, 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 you do the best you can and you, you, you have your, 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 your teammates back. And, you know, I know there's a hundred times you bail me out too. So, um, <laughs> I appreciate it a lot. <laughs> well, I, um, I have one more, one more memory and, and you brought it up a little bit. Um, I've played in a lot of games that were really meaningful, the NIT finals, NBA playoff games, but the favorite memory of any game, the best atmosphere I was ever part of. You mentioned 1980s, the 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 um, regional finals. Um, my Clarkson team was number one in the state, undefeated, and your Flint Central team was number two in the state, undefeated. And it was played at your gym. And I remember scalpers were asking 250 or 300 bucks per ticket. Yeah, it was it yes. was the best environment of any game that I ever played in. One whole side was Clarkson fans. The cheerleaders are doing their cheers, and the other mm-hmm. side was Clint Central, and they were doing their mm-hmm. cheers, and it was just a back and forth game. I will never ever forget that. We we I never forget it either. Really close one, yeah. That was the best. Yeah, it was definitely the best. Uh, even though, in you know, we took an L in that one. You know, I got a lot from that. You know, I felt like I could have done more. I felt like I didn't do enough, and so that kind of drove me to be better, to get back in the gym to improve for the following year, which, you know, ended up working out for us really well. But you like them. It was standing room only in the gym. I heard stories about scalpers and I heard stories about people tearing the door off to the hinges and bum rushed and got in so they could see. So you look up and you say, wait a minute. I know all these people weren't here at, at first. And you look <laughs> yeah, around the gym was <laughs> and, yeah, and it was people family. everywhere standing under the basket all over the place. And it was really exciting. It was. I have no idea if I was there, Tim. I could have been. <laughs> I could have been. Yeah. Yeah, my family took me to I a think lot. you remember. I think you remember if you were there. Sam. Yeah, my, kid, my family took me to a lot of games uh, at that, at that age. Like I said, I was really little. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you from memory exact games that I was at. I just know I was there. I just know that we were there a lot uh, back at that time because it was, I mean, it's like, you know what it's, it's like? It was, it, it's kind of like we felt when the, when the Fab Five rolled around to Michigan. It was like yep. that. It, it was like that in Flint. It was like, man, this is cult status stuff. And you knew that even at five, six years old, which brings me, which brings me to the here and now, E.T., when you look at, one of your own, and Tim and I talk about this a, a lot, the pride that he felt when Jawan Howard was named the head basketball coach at the University of Michigan. And I'm curious, how did it struck you? What what did it mean and what does it mean to you to have one of your brothers, a member of your fraternity, coaching the team now? Uh, it, means, it means everything because you, you know that you're going to – and Jawan is definitely a Michigan man. And so you know that you're going to get his best. At every level, he's going to do things in an uh, orderly fashion. He's going to follow the rules, and he's going to do the things that we can be proud of as alumni and um, him being a part of that fraternity. So, you know, we're pulling for him very hard. You know, we let him know that if it's anything we can do, you know, to help let us know 
And um, we got his back 100%. I'm curious if you think, uh, E.T., I mean, so much has changed here in the state, not just in Flint, but you look all around, Flint, Detroit, Saginaw, so much is different. And I, I wonder if you think, you know, following basketball and knowing basketball like you do, and I want uh, same question to you, Tim, you know, will we ever see what we saw back then again, you know, all the great talent that was in Flint and Detroit and Southeast Michigan, the great coaches, your, your Stan Gooches and, 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 and Grover Kirklands, and you go down, I mean, there mm-hmm. were some great coaches here in the state mm-hmm. as well. And I'm curious, do you think that we'll ever see it be like that? Will we ever see it be like that again? Uh, uh, well, I don't think so. And I say that because the availability of, 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 of and, and excitement for people to get in the gym and learn basketball and, and, and fall in love with it at an early age, it's just so difficult now. Because none of you know they're not opening the schools. There's not a lot of place to go. And then you got the kids that are coming up now that you know they you can't get them out the house. You know we were growing up. We were growing. We we weren't playing video games and you know uh, all of this stuff, Madden and all that that they they rather do now. You know our punishment was coming in the house. You know now their punishment is you know what go outside. That's your punishment. You know go outside. Be out there now. Because, you know, you got people that rather be in the house and don't go to the gym and, you know, the parks aren't available that, you know, we played every day coming up. And same thing was going on here in the, in the Detroit area. And I'm sure Tim and them were, you know, playing, you know, out in that area, Clarkson area and whatnot. So I just don't think it'll happen like that as far as the abundance of talent that was coming out year after year. Um, I just don't think it can happen again unless some things change drastically. Yeah, I agree. And I, I was at your state championship game at Chrysler your senior year, and it was one of the best collections of talent that I ever seen. Marty Embry was your center. He played at DePaul and was a really good player. And Keith Gray and Mark Harris and 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 also Eric Turner, who, in my opinion, if you mentioned the great players in Michigan high school history and in Michigan basketball history, his name has to be on the list. E.T., Man, it was so good to talk to you, and I'm I'm proud of you. I love you, and 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 I just, you know, I have have such fond memories. Thank you so much for for joining Sam and I. Sam, do you have anything to close? Hey, man, just uh, he knows, he knows, he's an idol. <laughs> he, he knows that, <laughs> you know. Sam, Tim, I appreciate y'all. I love you guys. Tim, you got my number. You know what to do. Uh, Sam, you too. Hey, Tell your parents hi. Appreciate it, man. We'll do. Hot. We'll do. No problem. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, E. Well, Tim, you just keep bringing it. You just keep bringing it with the guests, man. Uh, as I said before, we talked to to Eric. He is obviously uh, one of my all time favorites, uh, and it's because because of family, because of hometown, and because of Michigan. The convergence of all those things just gives gives me that that feeling, man. That feeling of excitement, like I'm still watching them uh, when I was a kid. And I, I hope that as people listen to that. They just just pull them up on that. It has to be a YouTube of Eric Turner. You just got to go back and really get a feel for how good a player he was. When I think of Eric, I, I smile. And, and you know, there are people in your life that, you know, you, you may not talk to them all the time, but when you do reconnect, you just get a, a really good feeling. Eric Turner made me so much better as a player, um, truly a, a dominant leader. He just had a charisma, a playmaking ability on the court, but off the court, he was just, you know, he had an infectious smile. And, and I, and I really, I really think that, that it's, it's too bad that today's generation um, did not have a chance to watch ET play. So take me back, take me back down memory lane to obviously the time where uh, you're here and Michigan lands, Eric Turner, what, what, what do you remember about that? And then take me back to your recruitment, Tim, because, you know, listen to you. I, this is the first time I heard that you going through recruiting. I knew I heard you say it was down to Michigan and North Carolina. I heard that before, but I didn't hear. This is the first time, literally, as we were talking on the podcast, where I heard you say, hey, <laughs> Roy Williams said, hey, it's you or, or Sam Perkins, who was obviously one of the all time greats at, at Carolina. And then, of course, Dallas Mavericks on those great Dallas Mavericks teams. Uh, in the NBA, so take me back to 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 your recruitment and what you can re- recall and and uh, tell the fans about. Well, you asked a lot there, and when when um when I think about my recruiting, 
I really, I put it in perspective of how difficult it is for Juwan right now to have to virtually recruit. Um, so, so for me, um, when I was a sophomore, my, my, um, high school coach was my econ teacher and he came up to me and, and said, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, I got a call from the university of Michigan and they invited you to come and watch the Michigan football game this Saturday. And I remember I said, coach, I, I, I can't afford those tickets. And, and he said, no, no, you don't have to pay. You're a recruit. And I, I didn't even, I mean, I didn't know about it. I, I had no idea that a recruit could go to a football game and didn't have to pay and didn't have to do parking. And, and I was just thrilled. And I loved Michigan at that point. I actually went to every game my sophomore year. And then I went every game as a junior and I went every game as a senior. So during my high school recruiting process, I saw between what, 15 to 18 games in person. And I remember I went to a tailgate every game and the players were there and the coaches were there. There were administrators, there were alumni, friends of the program. There was great food. Uh, the band went right through the tunnel in front of me. I was falling in love, but I was also getting another family. You know, my, my family in Clarkston was great, but all of a sudden I was having adult conversations with business people. I had never done that before. You know, guys that, that were just as successful, um, you know, in their, in their business world and they were, they were sharing their secrets of success and th that was great. And the players became my friend. Um, I went to Moe's sports shop and bought some gear. And, and I went to Thano's lamplighter and they, they paid for my meal and I walked through the Diag and, and I was, I was really hooked. And, and so when I think about that, um, when, when I went on my visits, uh, I went to Notre Dame, did not like it at all. And that's for an Irish Catholic kid from the Midwest. I did not like it one bit. And the reason is it didn't measure up to, to the family feeling that I was getting in Ann Arbor at all those football games. I visited Duke. It was an amazing experience, great campus. It didn't measure up. Ohio State, I liked better than Michigan State. Those were both, you know, not really options because I compared everything to Michigan. Um, but North Carolina was different. And, and I felt like I could have easily connected there. And, and Dean Smith was the head coach. Um, Roy Williams did a lot of my recruiting along with Bill Guthridge and Eddie Fogler, amazing staff. And, and at the end, you know, when Roy Williams said, Coach Smith said that it's, it's either you or Sam Perkins, um, first one to commit gets the scholarship. And he said, I'm asking you first, Tim. And, and I, 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 all of a sudden, my, my recruiting was, was jump-started, and I had to make a decision. And, and ultimately, all of those recruiting visits at the football games, all of those conversations with the alumni that made me feel like a friend and a family member, that ultimately is why I chose the University of Michigan. That's great stuff, man. That's great. Tim, is you or Sam Perkins? You are up first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, what? So that that kind of shows you that maybe Dean Smith didn't know what he was talking about <laughs> because i i would have I would have taken Sam Perkins over me in a heartbeat. Yeah, man. Well, hey, you both wound up being really, really, really good college players. Here's the thing, though, you, you, and and this is something that Eric said. He said, you know. Tim McCormick was was one of the reasons I chose Michigan. And that's the other thing that you see, Tim, when when there's other top talent, there are other top talents on a team, it can it can be infectious. It can be this domino effect where guys look at it and say, Man, I wanna go, I wanna go play with that guy. And I, I really feel like, you know, Juwan has that going now. Uh, he has that going. I, I think that, you know, Caleb Houston committing was a part of was a part of Musa Giabate thinking wow man that looks that looks really good over there i mean i think he liked it on the merits even before that but you get that first five star in the fold uh it sort of has some weight and then caleb when he looked when he committed looking at who michigan had already gotten in the fold i mean you know great players or top talents want to play with other top talent and that's why i think you, you see this domino effect going for for juan howard now yeah let me let me say it again sam michigan has the number one recruiting class in the country and people do want to play with good talents on a good team the, the Fab Five, best in Michigan history, no doubt. But this is the Super Six, and 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 they they have a chance to go down as one of the best in Michigan history. So that's pretty exciting. And when I think about 
what Juwan has done, his personality is a strength and yes. everybody knows it. Yep. Um, and it's all, it, it's all about when you spend time with him, there, there's a sincere warmness that he has where you immediately feel connected. And I first met Juwan in 1990 at the IM building on Michigan's campus. So I've known him for 30 years. Um, I've seen him over our, our careers at Pistons games. I've seen him at camps. I see him in Ann Arbor. I, I, in, in no way, am one of his top 100 closest friends. There's, there's no way. But he always makes me feel special, like a friend, like a member of his family. He's just sincere and a very nice person. And, and let me, let me take you back two falls ago. Um, I was in a conversation with Juwan Howard and Hunter Dickinson. Um, it was just the three of us. And the conversation was so engaging. I, I had never seen Juwan as a recruiter. Quite frankly, he had just taken the job and he, he probably was very new at it. But there was great laughter and so comfortable. I can tell you, Sam, that, that and you know this because you talk to recruits every single week. It's so hard to have a meaningful conversation with a high school athlete, right? Yes, it is. It's hard. And, and to make matters worse, millennials, they're, they're really good at texting and social media. Um, it's a true talent to be able to drive a conversation and make a recruit feel comfortable. And Juwan Howard does it as well as anyone. Yeah, I think it, it really is important to highlight when people, how does he get it done? It's not just the outstanding resume and track record, uh, which speaks for itself. Those things speak for themselves. Uh, but you're absolutely right. The ability to connect and relate for him, for a head coach, a guy with his background, to be able to have that eye-level rapport. And so you don't feel like you're talking to former Fab Five member, former lottery pick, $100 million man, head basketball coach at University of Michigan. It's just like Jerron from around the corner. That's what, that's how he makes you feel when you talk to him. And that that rings with, with recruit. It resonates with recruits. It resonates with their families. And the other piece that's really important to note, he doesn't make it all about him. He also really highlights his stat. He highlights the experience, uh, what Michigan really can mean for a student athlete and his family. He also highlights his staff that, you know, I'm not going to be the only one influencing you here in your basketball career. There are going to be so many other people that you come in contact with. And obviously, most notably, when it comes to basketball, the other coaches. So it is. it was a, an important piece of the virtual recruiting component that he he used the entire staff. I mean, these Zoom meetings, they were full staff affairs. And that certainly was one of the things that Caleb Houston's people talked a lot about. It's like, you know, who are you talking to? It's like the, the entire staff. We're talking to the entire staff. They are all touching him in some way, connecting with him in some way. And that was really important because you're talking about a guy who hasn't visited Michigan. You know, Musa Giabate, Caleb Houston, these guys didn't have the, the benefit of seeing and feeling and touching the, you know, the campus before making the decision. So huge, huge, Tim, the ability to connect and relate and huge, the ability to connect and relate with the rest of the staff too. Jawan just hit well, all, all the marks. It's, it's such a good point, Sam. How do you, how do you make a connection on a zoom call? And, and I bet there's a lot of parents that are listening to this that are saying, man, I can't even talk to my, my high school son, like, like, let alone somebody I'm just trying to, to, to meet that lives across the country. And I think back to when I was 17 years old and, and I was sitting at a dinner with, with Judd Heathcote or Johnny Orr or Lou Olson or Digger Phelps or, or Dean Smith or Roy Williams. Like what, what do I have to offer to Eldon Miller? Like these, these guys are professionals. They're at the top of their profession. I don't have life skills at 17 years old that, that I, I can really offer anything that, that is meaningful, but the best make you feel like, Hey, I care what you you're all about. I want to hear about your dreams and your goals. What's your girlfriend's name? Like these guys are masters. They, they learn all the facts, they write them down, and they become friends. And, and you're right. Th this coaching staff is phenomenal. And I think that especially with Musa Giabate, I think that they became very comfortable um, getting to know him and vice versa. Uh, this is as simple as I can put it. Juwan has done a remarkable job, and things are going to continue to get better.
Well, definitely excited about this recruiting class. Definitely excited about the opportunity to see this current team uh, when they finally uh, jump it up and uh, we get a chance to see them in action. So we, how about next week, Tim, we get into talking about you know schedule and outlook, and we've already kind of touched on the Big Ten a little bit, but we can dive a, a bit deeper as we're getting ever so close, my friend, ever so close to seeing action on the hardwood <laughs> right now. Tim, I know you're feeling this way too. A lot of Michigan fans can't wait to be able to focus the attention on the hardwood because right now on the gridiron is kind of tough, my man. I'm still staying optimistic. I, I think Michigan's going to beat Wisconsin, so <laughs> I um I'm I'm not jumping off yet, Sam. From your lips, Tim. From your lips. Another great one in the books. That's going to do it, folks, for another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate it. Be sure to review it. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. They can find it wherever they get their podcasts, whether that's Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. They can find it. Just search Michigan Insider Podcast, and up it will come. You'll see the Michigan Basketball Insider. Until next time, folks, thanks for listening to the Michigan Basketball Insider.